Welcome to Rag Bag. My name's Frank Burton. How are you doing today? Usual stuff on the way, music and some talking, all that sort of thing. Don't forget to buy my new book, Everything I Am. It's a classic. Details on frankburton.co.uk. Let's have some music and then we got some things to get into.
Now listen, you know a few weeks ago I told you about a film script I was working on. Well, thanks for the feedback on it. I've sensibly given up on it now, seeing as your many comments were all 100% negative. Uh, Grossly offensive, poorly executed, fundamentally flawed and entirely unworkable was one standout comment. Thank you to um, someone who goes by the name of Tim Burton. Thanks for that, Tim. I admire your chutzpah. I've actually got a new idea. It's a lot more original, and as far as I know, no one has ever done anything like this before. It's really going to shake things up in Hollywood. That's right, I said it. I'll say it again. I'm really going to shake things up in Hollywood. I realise they do have actual proper earthquakes in that part of the world, so I do hope my choice of words there wasn't too insensitive. I just really want to shake things up in Hollywood, that's all I'm saying. Which is a weird thing to say because I don't really watch films very much. As previously noted, the last film I saw in the cinema was Turner and Hooch. Benedict keeps inviting me to these red carpet premiere type events, but I can never be bothered. They make such a fuss about these things. All you're doing is going to the cinema, guys. That's all you're doing. It's a different colour carpet, but the only real difference is you're going to the cinema to watch your own film. Pretty self-indulgent thing to do. You don't see me sitting on the train reading a book that I wrote myself, waving it around like, Look! You see the picture on the cover, guys? You see the picture? See the picture on the cover? 
Now you see my face? You see my face? They're the same person, yeah? The same person. My face, yeah? Where's my red carpet? Now, now we're getting to the heart of the matter, aren't we? I just want... Well, actually, I want two contradictory things. I want to be extremely successful. I'd like my books at the top of the bestseller list. I want this podcast to top the Apple chart. And I want this new film of mine to be an Oscar winner. Also, I want none of those things. I don't want any of the things I create to be successful. I'd be happy with a very small handful of people... You guys, yeah. I'm happy with you. And this is what I really want. The thing that I've already got. You guys. That's what I want. I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels this way. Maybe you're happily married, yet you can't help letting your eyes wander. Or maybe you can't decide between the pizza or the tagliatelle. You can't order them both, but... You know, whichever one you choose, you'd be wondering what the other one was like. You can't have your cake and eat it, that's what I'm saying. Hang on a minute, why would you want to have a cake? Why would anyone take the former of those two options? I've decided that I want to have my cake. What are you going to do with it? Just let it sit there and go stale and eventually rot? Any particular reason, allergies dietary needs? No, I just like the idea of having a cake as a possession. And all possessions are finite things. Even diamonds have a limited shelf life. The world will end one day. How did we get onto this subject? Cake and eat it, yeah. I was talking about me craving success versus me not really wanting to be successful. And in a way, that's a moot point. Because with this film project I'm working on, the decision is out of my hands because success is totally guaranteed. I probably shouldn't even be talking about this concept on this public forum here because there's a very high chance that someone will steal it and make their millions. And then I'd have to take them to court and then there'd be a massive legal battle. Is it worth me bringing this up in the first place? You know what? Yes, it is because it's you guys and I'd be really interested to know what you guys think yeah so here we go the film is called Middle Distance for two reasons one the central character Frank he's a middle distance runner that's nothing to do with anything really I only really made him a middle distance runner so that I could have a double meaning on the title I think I have this slight obsession with having a double meaning in the title, even though I don't need to have one particularly. I think the best titles are the ones that just tell you what the story's about. War and Peace. It's got a bit of war, then a little touch of peace. So if you like war and you like peace, this is the story for you. Pride and Prejudice. A little bit of pride with a side order of prejudice. If you like a bit of pride, but you have a soft spot for prejudice this is a story for you the cook the thief his wife and her lover lots of things to get your teeth into there anyway the other reason why the film's called middle distance is that frank not me the character who's got my name is it me though 
No, it's not. I called him Frank because I couldn't be bothered to think of a different name. You know, he's a middle distance runner. The last time I ran anywhere, I was like, yeah, that's definitely a story for another time. That's not going to make any sense out of context. I'm just saying the character, Frank, the middle distance runner, is not me. I could play the part of him though in the film. I don't have any acting training, but how hard can that be? He's just talking and pulling faces. Yeah, sorry Benedict, but that is really all it is. I know you probably like to think of yourself as an artist. Benedict's here by the way, listeners. I've told him not to speak. He's only here for a visit, not to be on the podcast. Oi, oi, pipe down. Pipe down, you actors. Always trying to steal the limelight. I'm trying to share my ideas with the listeners. I'd be interested to know what they think from a non-film industry point of view. There's no point telling you about it. You'll just get all excited and you'll be like, oh, I'm the perfect man for the play the lead on this. Hands off is all I'll say to that. This is my part. He's called Frank, so that should be easy for me to adjust to. I'm interested, Benedict, actually. When you're playing a part on screen and the character you're playing isn't called Benedict, that must be confusing. Do you have to just keep reminding yourself that your name is something else? Like that superhero thing you were in, whatever his name was, Mr. Majika or whatever, and you'll be on set and you know one of the characters will say, oh, Mr. Majika, what do you think of this laser-guided missile? heading towards us and you'll be like who me oh yeah sorry i'm mr majikarana you see i'm used to people calling me benedict is that a problem for you nod or shake your head please right right so it's not a problem consummate professional maybe it is more complicated than i thought i'll tell you what mate you can have first dibs on this role and it is the role of a lifetime as i will now go on to demonstrate The other reason this film is called Middle Distance is that our protagonist, Frank, has a habit of staring into the middle distance. You recognise this as being a shared habit amongst various other film and TV characters, like when they're about to do an everyday activity, but on this occasion it has a huge amount of personal significance to them. Let's say it's a heist movie or something, and the main character and his comrades are about to run off and get a plane to Mexico. But then the main character says, I'll have to meet you at the airport. And then he stares into the middle distance and he adds in a dreamy kind of way, I'm having lunch with an old friend. And we, the audience, are thinking, oh, that sounds nice for him. Meeting an old friend. And you see him sitting in a restaurant waiting for his old friend to arrive his friend arrives and you're like oh it's that guy the guy who helped him out earlier in the film gave him a good bit of advice in that flashback scene and then we're like hang on a minute didn't he die no turns out he faked his own death you got us movie makers with your clever little narrative tricks you've got us with your i'm having lunch with an old friend bravo now what i'm gonna do is the complete opposite of that, right? My film opens up with Frank and his mates and they're running around the track doing their warm-ups, all of that and Frank heads off to the changing rooms 
and his mates are calling after him saying come and do a few more laps and Frank turns around and he stares into the middle distance and he says I'd love to but I have a few things to sort out and you the audience are like nice one I know what sorting a few things out means when the character stares into the middle distance like that something significant is about to happen ha you're wrong cut to the next scene Frank is clearing out his understairs cupboard sticking a bunch of old papers in the recycling not significant papers just pizza menus and stuff like that then he sweeps up then he gets a phone call it's his friend Trevor Trevor says do you want to meet up for a drink later on and Frank says I'd love to but not straight away I'm having a meeting with an old friend and you, the audience, are like, nice one, an old friend. We know what that one means. We've heard that one before. Something big's about to happen. Ha, you're wrong. Turns out some guy he went to school with years ago is selling a pair of trainers on Facebook Marketplace. So Frank pops around to his house to collect the trainers. And the guy says, I remember you. Yeah, says Frank, from school. The guy says, do you want a cup of tea or something? And Frank stares into the middle distance and you the audience are going ah here we go what's this going to be about and Frank says no I can't stop for a cup of tea I need to get an early night oh ho 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 an early night now this is getting interesting what rating is this looks like Frank's going to get some serious action here my god cut to the next scene he's asleep yeah he just wanted an early night by the looks of things. So he wakes up in the morning and he goes off to his training grounds and his friend Trevor calls him up again and says, do you fancy going for that drink after your training? Frank, as is his usual habit, stares into the middle distance and says, I'd love to, mate, but I have some business to attend to. And you, the audience, are like, finally, he's got some business to attend to. Oh, my God, what could it possibly be? Cut to the next scene. Frank's having a meeting with his accountant to sort out his tax returns. Everything seems to be in order. The accountant says, Frank, sorry to ask a personal question, but my nephew has this ambition of being a professional athlete and he'd love to get some tips. Frank says, sure, give him my number. I'll train with him sometime. But I can't do it tonight. He stares into the middle distance and adds, I need to do something I've been meaning to do for a long, long time. And you, the audience, are like, Really, Frank? Really? What is it this time? Cut to the next scene. He's gone for a drink with Trevor. That was it. And it's not a significant meeting. They talk about football and have a game of darts. And the film keeps going on like this. Insignificant scene after insignificant scene. Red herring after red herring. And just when you think something genuinely exciting is going to happen, the film ends. And you come out and you say to your friends, what was all that about? Nothing happened. It was just like real life. Actually, it's the only film I've ever seen that properly captures the tedium of day-to-day existence. And for that reason, it's an absolute masterpiece. What do you think, Bendik? Masterpiece? Oh, God. It's a thumbs down from Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, well. What do you know, anyway? 
You know, you know what, mate? You're properly overrated, you are. You're properly overrated. I'm saying that. I haven't even seen any of the films that you're in. I'm just assuming. No, it's too late. You've said it now. You gave No, you're giving it a thumbs down, pal. You gave it a thumbs down. Forget it. I'll make this thing myself if I have to. It'll be... Middle Distance will one day be referred to as this century's Citizen Kane. Even if it's just me saying that, because I believe in this project. Yes, I do. <sighs> right, now there's a bit of an atmosphere. I take back what I said, Benedict, about you being overrated. I don't know what I'm talking about, do I? Stop crying, you big baby. Let's do some shout-outs. Malcolm says... Monopoly. What if that was real life? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> You've gone deep there, Malcolm. You've gone deep. That's a reference to something I said all the way back in episode 32. Either you've only just got round to listening to that one, or you've been hanging on to that observation for quite some time. Either way, thank you, Malcolm. Thank you for your contribution. Also, in many ways, Monopoly is exactly the same as real life. You wander around London or a different city, depending on what edition you're playing, and you invest in property. Sometimes you have to stay in someone else's hotel. Sometimes you have to get a train. Sometimes you have to go straight to Trafalgar Square without passing go. That's all stuff that could plausibly happen. The only part of Monopoly that doesn't quite ring true is the get-out-of-jail-free card, in my opinion. I know this sort of thing goes on in other forms, you know, corporate criminals evading justice through bribery or some gangster making a plea bargain, but to actually have a card that you can carry around in your pocket and literally commit any crime, any crime you care to mention, in a way, if I had one of those cards, I know I can only use it once, I'd be tempted to go big. There's no way I'd be wasting my get-out-of-jail-free card on some minor shoplifting offence. I'd have to kill someone, you know? Someone really awful, like... I don't know, who's awful, really? You have to look at the person's background and life experiences that have shaped their behaviour over time. Bit tricky, really, complex business. Better not kill anyone, then. I could do a bank heist, though. Yeah. I could do a bank heist. That's what I'll do, Malcolm. I know this isn't a direct answer to your question, but that's my decision. You have given me a lot to think about. <laughs> Benedict's perked up now. You should see the smile on his face. Oh, we're going to have fun with this. I know it's only hypothetical and there is no such thing as a get-out-of-jail-free card, but I'm so far into this now, it feels like it is real. Uh, mate, just get get, get a, a paper and pen or something. Have you got one in your bag? Paper and pen. Nice one. We, we're going to do some serious work on this now. We no, no, no. You're staying here all night, mate. We got a heist to plan. We got to plan this heist. Yeah. Well, this is going to be fun. Let's play some tunes, and um, me and Benedict are going to properly get our heads down, and and plan this heist. So, let's crack on with this.
Ragbag recommends now, and it's my pleasure to introduce top comedian and host of the Union Jackoff podcast, Daniel Muggleton. Daniel was, until recently, living and working in the UK on the comedy circuit, and now he's returned to his native Australia. You could say he's traded Brexit for bushfires. Out of the frying pan, into the fire, as they say. Or, in the interests of political balance, out of the brave new dawn and into the hoax created by and for the Chinese in order to make US manufacturing non-competitive. But that doesn't have quite the same ring to it, does it? What is Brexit anyway? I've heard about it, but uh, anyway. Here's Daniel Muggleton to tell us all about the Union Jackoff. Oh my goodness, how you doing, ragbag people? I don't know what your nickname is. My listeners are known as the Jerkoffs because my name is Daniel Muggleton. I'm the host of a podcast called The Union Jackoff. Your boy Frank really enjoys it and asked me to jump on his podcast and just give a quick explanation as to what's going on over there, why you guys might want to listen to it. Uh, long story short, I'm an Australian person who moved over to the UK I lived there for a couple of years and I just started noticing weird British idiosyncrasies. I'm not talking about the desire to leave Europe. I thought it was appropriate to mention that just because I am recording this on Brexit Day. Oh my goodness, what a dumb decision that was. I know Belgians are annoying, but get over it. Uh, basically, I talked to I wanted to talk to other people because I, I had these other comedian friends. I'm a stand-up comedian. I toured around the UK and Europe all the time. And I would talk to them about the different places and the different history. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to record it because I thought it was really fascinating. And I thought people from different parts of the UK would find it interesting. I thought people from different countries would find it interesting. You know, I've chatted to people from all around the UK. Like we're talking Scotland, Wales, England. Uh, a person from the Isle of Man, which I'm told is part of the UK despite having its own parliament. Uh, there, was, there was a Northern Irish person, a Southern Irish person. I found out they really hate it when you call it Southern Ireland. It's just Ireland. Uh, Northern Irish people don't like anything, really. So just be very careful uh, what you say about them. Uh, but yes, it's, it's been super fascinating, man. And I think if you are a British person, you'll especially find it interesting hearing outsiders talk about stuff that you don't think is weird, like the Royal Shrovetide football thing where just a town kind of kills each other in the main street for a day, chasing around a giant inflated fake skin thing. It's like actual football, but there are no rules or foreign investment. That's the, that's the main difference. Uh, but I have some great guests. I've had uh, Phil Wang from Malaysia. Uh, he's one of the, the, the bigger names in UK comedy at the moment. Lee Sogola, who is massive in South Africa. Uh, what have we got? We got like Adam Rowe up from Liverpool. I learned why you're not allowed to buy the sun in Liverpool, were Tom Horton. That's a fun episode. He lives in the Tower of London. You heard that right. Lives inside the Tower of London. That episode recorded inside the Tower of London. Uh, in addition to those chats, I also try to feature a, a different artist every week. I know you guys are music fans, so you might enjoy that because I did the Sofa Sounds gigs in the UK, which are the intimate uh, unplugged gigs in people's living rooms around the country. And I discovered all these amazing bands and I wanted other people to hear them. Uh, so listen to the podcast. My name is Daniel Muggleton. You can check out my comedy as well. I've actually just moved back to Australia, so it's going to be very exciting to see what happens next. The Union Jack Off 
wherever you find your podcasts, including on YouTube. I love you. Cheers, mates. Catch you later. So there you have it. Go and check that out. Also, if stand-up comedy is your thing, you should definitely check out Daniel's special on Amazon Prime Video, which is called Let's Never Hang Out. And it's very, very funny. Also, Daniel has a brand new special, which is free on YouTube, recorded just before leaving London. It's called Three Stripes. And again, it's just great entertainment and great value for money. Now, let's have a tune. Seguro desde su cuna con su voz me vino arrullando, con su voz me vino arrullando. Conmigo siempre yo voy llevando la gran risa de mi madre, que a todos siempre despierta, que al final de la primavera el sol se va transformando para iluminar mi pena. Siempre yo voy llevando la imagen de mis abuelos El sábado trabajando Mi abuela reza el domingo Y mi abuelo va conspirando Pa' que yo salga de abajo Conmigo siempre yo voy llevando Las borracheras de infancia Sabor a capimelao Culimano de De la mentira me voy librando Cuando abro yo bien los ojos Me reconozco en lo de mi hermano Y el futuro será de él Y yo lo estaré mirando Para seguirme inspirando Y muchas cosas vengo cargando el olor después de la lluvia y el rico sabor del mango, el colmeche de la esquina. Venezuela no te he olvidado. cargando el olor después de la lluvia y el sabor del mango la mirada de alguna niña que en cada esquina me va enamorando la costa larga la más linda que he visitado el tambor a punto de estallar de un moreno bien dedicado la gana del trabajador que a la ciudad 
un mattino al mio risveglio quando tutto sudato ma corsi che fuori nevicava Thank you for listening. Thanks to Benedict Cumberbatch for sticking around and helping me plan the bank heist. Once again, check out my new book if you have not done so already. It is called Everything I Am. It's an amazing and fantastic classic. It's on Amazon. Audiobook version is on frankburton.bandcamp.com. All the details are on my website, frankburton.co.uk. Audiobook version will be on Audible soon as well, we're hoping, if it's not already. And watch out for the bonus bags too, there'll be more coming right up. I will see you soon. Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.